You're listening to the She is Fierce radio show. She is Fierce connects women to each other and their dreams. You'll meet incredible women who all have one thing in common. They took a leap. They've got passion. They're on a mission. They're doing exciting and rewarding things, and they want to help you take your big leap. And now your host, She is Fierce founder, Kelly Youngs. Welcome to the She is Fierce show presented by Bozard Ford Lincoln. I'm Kelly Youngs, the founder of She is Fierce and Lift. Today, we're talking to the author of a newly revised and updated nationally best-selling book, Fierce Conversations. And you know I love that title. Uh, she is also a CEO and founder of an international global leadership and development company who has enabled top executives worldwide to engage in vibrant dialogue with one another with their employees, and with their customers for two decades. The New York Times says her book, Fierce Conversations, is a life-affirming primer for moving us toward the conversations we need to have the most. And David Allen, the author of the huge hit, Getting Things Done, said Fierce Conversations is a reminder that the way out is through and that Susan provides great techniques for navigating the passage. If you love books like Getting Things Done and The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, listen up. Susan is the woman you want to be listening to, and this is a book you want to run out and get. Welcome, Susan. I am so excited to have you on here today. Thank you, Kelly. I am delighted to be here with you. Well, I want to start with a question that I usually ask our listeners and and the people that we have at our events, and it's so fitting for you. Great minds think alike. I love the name of your company, Fierce Inc. So can you tell us a little bit about what being fierce means to you? Because I know it has a really special meaning for you. It does. I mean, the simplest definition of a fierce conversation is one in which we come out from behind ourselves into the conversation and make it real. And, you know, almost everybody loves the word authenticity. Mm -hmm. We want to be around people who are authentic, who are honest, who are open, who are transparent. And yet I don't think We really admit to ourselves or even recognize sometimes how maybe inauthentic we can be at times. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's 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 about showing up consistently as myself and and saying what I truly mean and meaning what I say and saying it in a way that does no harm, because there are always going to be people in our lives who will say what they're really thinking, but they do it in a way that where there's quite a load attached to it and it, and it feels hurtful or it, or it triggers uh, a very negative response and we just want to get away from them. So a fierce conversation always enriches a relationship, even if it's addressing a really difficult, sensitive topic. But it's, yeah. it's about being real. And, you know, we're afraid of being real sometimes, and yet it's, in my experience, it is the unreal conversations that ought to scare us to death because they're incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, I love what you just said. You're kind of taking the Hippocratic Oath into a new a new place and do right. no harm. Have conversations that are not harmful mm-hmm. to others. And that I think, you know, from reading your fantastic book, I really took that lesson away. It's not about um, winning. Necessarily, it's not about both sides winning. It's about really finding a place where everybody is happy. 
Well, and, and, and there will be times when everybody isn't happy. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, I mean, there, realistically, there will be those times. But one of the things I, I remind people of over and over and over again when they say, yeah, but I, you know, I'm really nervous about having this conversation or I don't think it's worth it to try to have this conversation, even when there's something going on that they find is troublesome or hurtful either at work or at home. And I always say, look, if a problem exists, it exists whether we talk about it or not. So we might as well talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And just get it out there. Yeah. And, and I think Carl Jung said, what we do not make conscious emerges later as fate. Mm. So we can tell ourselves, well, I'm going to postpone this conversation because, you know, I don't want to wreck another meeting or I don't want to wreck another weekend. I'm just going to postpone it until just the right time. Um, and then it, it just doesn't happen. But one point I want to make, Kelly, that's really important. Fierce conversations, since they're simply about being real, are, it's, it's, it's actually a way of life. All of our conversations ideally would be fierce because, you know, we're having meetings where we want to talk about the real, the real topics. The uh, and if there's an elephant in the room, we want to we want to name that elephant, talk yeah. about that elephant. When we have one to ones with people who are important to us, we want to get below the superficial stuff and get down into something that is much more useful and productive. And very importantly. Uh, we want to connect with people at a deeper level than we normally do. And that's incredibly important and, and for anybody, whether they're at work or at home, wherever they are, this human connectivity, there's such a longing for that. And a lot of people don't recognize that or just don't know how to do it or the idea of it makes them very nervous. So Fierce is all about how do we connect at that deeper level. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you, you know, you, you are very wise. You're, you're starting with all this wisdom in the beginning of our interview. But can you tell us a little bit about your early career and how you got started and kind of where all of this came from in your background? Well, it's funny. It certainly wasn't a, it wasn't a plan. <laughs> um, I, I, in Fierce Conversations, I say life is curly. Don't try to straighten it out. And it is very curly for many people. Uh, I started out as a high school English teacher, and I taught English and speech, drama, Shakespeare, poetry, all those kinds of things. And um, and then when my husband went into the military, um, I we 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 moved after the military to Seattle so that he could do some additional schooling, and I became, of all things, a headhunter which I absolutely loved, had a blast doing that. And then after eight years of that and being the vice president of that company, I just got restless and I really wanted to do more. And the owner of that company wasn't that excited about doing more. So I attended a a training that I really liked and I went to the owner of the training company and I said, I'd like to teach this course. And the next thing I knew I was teaching that course. And then, um, it seemed that there were some integrity outages within that organization, so I left. And eventually, I was recruited by um, a company called Vistage, which is headquartered in San Diego. And they have groups of CEOs all over the world. 
and each group is chaired by someone who meets with each of the members one-to-one every month and then spends a full day with the whole group one day every month. And if you, I don't know if you're going to hear dogs barking in the background, but this is part of being real because I'm working remote today. Yeah, (laughs) that's all right. So, you know, I, I did not plan to end up here, but it was in the 13 years of running those think tanks, if you will, that I that I learned how to have much more meaningful conversations and meetings than the ones I'd been having up to that point in my life. You know, I want to talk about think tanks, but before that, I just want to touch on something you said that I just loved. And that was how tactful you were when you said, I left a company because I didn't like it. And you said there were integrity outages. Yeah. (laughs) Where did that come from? That's a great phrase. Yeah, I don't even remember. I don't, I don't, I did not coin that phrase, but I think I I heard it from someone ages and ages ago. I love it. I'm going to use that from now on. I think it had to do with, I was, I was studying, now this is going to seem weird, but I was studying psychoneuroimmunology, which is the, sort of a conversation between um, neurologists and and then the um, those who are really studying how how what we believe deep down and how we behave and they came to the conclusion that our immune systems are strengthened or weakened primarily because of the degree of integrity with which we're living our lives so you know yeah if we're smoking and eating all the wrong things and not getting any exercise at all. Those things are not good for us. And if we are saying, here's what I value, and yet our behavior does not match that. So let's say I say I value fidelity in a marriage and I'm cheating. I would, I'm out of integrity by my own definition. Mm-hmm. So they were saying, depending on how steep is the integrity outage and how long it has been going on literally weakens the immune system and leaves us more vulnerable to opportunities to get sick. And so we can do something very powerful to strengthen our immune system, and that is to clean up our act, uh, to behave in ways that are in complete alignment with what we've said is important to us. Hmm, I love that. Well, um, I want to talk a little bit more about your journey. So you started your company, Fierce Inc., in 2001 after running mm-hmm. think tanks for CEOs for years, you know, after this incredible background of being a headhunter and being a teacher. And so many of the women who are part of the She Is Fierce community, no matter how successful they are, no matter where they are right now in their lives, um, as we are, you know, in our membership or wherever we are, we always have these conversations around a fear of failure, a hesitancy to leap into the unknown even though many of us kind of have an idea or an inkling in ourselves of what's really important to us and where we really want to go. And I just want to ask you, did you struggle with that before you jumped into creating your own company? Is that something that, you know, you were hesitant about? Did you have that fear of failure? And how did you deal with it if you did? Well, you know, I I am a person who always has simply leapt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've paid the price for that uh, from time to time. I, I just, something feels like I want to do this and I just go for it and sometimes live to regret that. But most of the time it pays off. And so I don't 
I'm not afraid of failing or of making a mistake. I think I'm a sort of card-carrying optimist because overall, when I look at my life, I've been, you know, everything just keeps getting better and better. And and the, and the fact is, I think, you know, there have been studies to show that we're sort of born wired one way or the other, and I think I'm wired to be optimistic. So I didn't have a lot of um, trepidations about starting a company. Um, and even when, you know, there have been times where we've, we've, we've said, wow, you know, how are we going to? how are we going to accomplish this? Or, you know, what are we going to do here? Mm -hmm. Or this is a problem. My total instinct is just to say, okay, given this obstacle, how are we going to get through it? And just immediately go into tactics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I'm love that. So you're sure you're a strategic person. So you immediately get into what's yeah. the next step that I need to take to move along that path. That's that's right. You know, I, I think when, when we first formed our board of advisors, I remember at the very end of the first meeting of our advisors who had flown in from around the country to spend the day with us, um, one of the members said, Susan, we'd, we'd really like to know what, what do you worry about at night? And I said, I don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't see that worrying is productive. And I think some people feel like if they're worrying, they're doing something. Look mm -hmm. at me, I'm worrying about this. But actually, it accomplishes nothing positive. And takes all your I energy. worry. Yeah, I just go into, okay, you know, yeah, we've got challenges. Isn't this cool? Because if we didn't have challenges, we would apparently be flatlined, which not, would not be exciting. So yeah, absolutely. That's the way I'm wired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are listening to the She is Fierce radio show presented by Bozard Ford Lincoln. And when we're back, we'll have more with Fierce Inc. founder, TED Talk speaker, and best-selling author of the newly re-released best-selling book, Fierce Conversations, Susan Scott. I came to win, to fight, to conquer, to thrive. I came to win, to survive. This is Letty from Bozard Ford Lincoln. Remember, in the end, we only regret the chances we didn't take. So take your leap. I came to win, to fight, to conquer, to thrive. I came to win, to survive. Welcome back. You're listening to the She is Fierce show presented by Bozard Ford Lincoln. I'm Kelly Youngs, the founder of She is Fierce and Lift. We're talking to Susan Scott, the best-selling author of the newly re-released best-selling book on Fierce Conversations, Achieving Success at Work and in Life, One Conversation at a Time. So, Susan, I really enjoyed reading your book, Fierce Conversations. The conversational tone <laughs> makes it a really fun read, and the stories that you share uh, from behind the scenes of working with so many large companies to solve some of their toughest problems are really fascinating. Um, it's something that I think many of us don't think about or we kind of 
you know, think are, are a little bit boring, but you have these fascinating stories of what's going on behind the scenes in really large companies. Can I ask you to share just a little bit of a really good story that you share in the book about a shipping company that just couldn't seem to get their internal relationships right, and it was totally holding them back? Right. This was a, a Russian-owned fishing fleet, and um, the, uh, the CEO and the company is actually headquartered here in Seattle, where Fierce is based. And the CEO called me because I had done some work within the um, fishing industry um, globally. And he said, you know, so I, I went to meet him and he said, you know, we've just got a real problem. He said, there are all kinds of things that are going on. Um, but when I asked him, you know, so he went into great detail about things that were happening. But when I said, what's, you know, what's the thing that we haven't talked about yet that's bugging me the most? And he said, well, it's my two top guys. They pretty much hate each other. They're really competing. I mean, one of them was with me for a long, long time, and he's a great guy. But when I brought somebody else in to head up um, some parts of the company, um, the, the earlier guy was very jealous and very upset. And so they have different ships that report to them and different ships that they look after. And so they are favoring their ships and not taking equal care of, <laughs> of all of the fleet. And so... Uh, the, there's all kinds of stuff that's happening, you know, like one ship will get the right equipment uh, quickly and when something breaks and another ship might not. Yeah, I mean, it and sounded the like ship, they were really sabotaging each other, if, even if they didn't well, they think were. about it that way. And this spread to this spread to all of the people on the ships mm-hmm. so that they were really, comp- you know, if, if you're fishing, you want to catch the biggest fish, yeah. the most fish. <laughs> and so they were they were withholding from one another when they would find great fishing they would not tell the other ships and so um you know the whole everybody was paying for this i mean everybody in the company was paying for this and then also there was um, a lot of animosity between the staff on shore and then the people on the ships so the people on the ships didn't feel that the staff on shore really appreciated the difficulty of the lives they led. I mean, mm. can we even get a decent movie on this ship, you know, to watch? I mean, yeah. What's up with this, you know, asparagus that looks like it's been rolled over by a truck, you know? And, and then the the people on shore felt like, you're not even sending me accurate information. I've got to sell the fish. If we don't sell the fish at the right price, we... We all suffer, and you're not giving me accurate, timely information. Yeah. And back and forth and back and forth. So, yeah, we had to have a a meeting when the – once a year, if you're in the shipping business, um, the ships come into shipyard for work done on the ships, and this is an opportunity when everybody's in the same place at the same time to have a meeting. So we had a meeting, Um, and (laughs) – it's it's one of the most memorable meetings I've ever had because it was me and a whole bunch of men, most of whom were Russian and didn't speak English, so we had a translator and mm-hmm. it was wild. But but the two the two leaders, um, who I had talked with ahead of time and so had John, the CEO, they they really showed grace under fire. Um, they stood up and they said, look, I, you know, I, this is what I've done. I admit it. I know it's wrong. I know it's caused problems for all of you. You deserve better than that. It shouldn't have happened. It won't happen again. And there was just this huge, like, silence. 
And then one of the guys from Australia stood up and said, you know, good on you, mate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was hard to say, but yeah. yeah, it's been really hard for all of us because we ought to be working together and we're not. So it, it broke something. And we, and we typically in a meeting like this, we take on the biggest, baddest issue first so that we can see what we're made out of. You know, mm-hmm. we don't tiptoe around and try to creep up on the big ones. We go for the big ones first. And even though it's sort of shocking to everybody, when we have that breakthrough, it's such a huge release. It's like, oh, it's like the iceberg that breaks off and can now float free. And we can do something really good with the rest of the day. So that's that's what that was all about. Yeah, I mean, I just... I really thought that was such a fascinating story, especially because, you know, um, you know, everyone who's listening probably has worked in a company at some point, and I've worked in a bunch of different companies, and I, while I've never worked in a shipping company, can completely relate to the idea that the behavior of a few people at the top and their, oh, yeah. uh, their approach can completely mm-hmm. influence not just the company culture, but really the way that people approach you know, their lives once they walk in the door. Mm-hmm. So that might have been the mm-hmm. case, you know, on a boat in this instance. But I think that so many of us experience that, whether we're leaders in a company and we're trying to figure out how to, you know, instill a positive company culture or whether we're, you know, working and managers and trying to just get by with some horrible <laughs> experience and trying to understand how to handle, you know, how they say, like, manage your boss, how to handle that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just fascinated by that, especially that, you know, two individuals were holding back this huge company. Well, they really were. And the thing is, um, they were also triangulating, which is when person A bonds with person B over their mutual loathing of person C. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, that is that is so toxic to a culture. So, you know. One one of the leaders had had triangulated, had talked bad about the other leader to everybody on his ships, and the same thing had happened with the other leader. And so this was, you know, this this had spread. I mean, it was really bad. There were all kinds of stuff that nobody even realized quite how how bad it had gotten um, until we got it out in the open. Yeah. And and the, and they started admitting, well, this is what it's, this is what we've been doing that we know we shouldn't have been doing. Um, it was. Yeah, and it, it it goes on. You know, a lot of the companies that we work with are not huge. I mean, we do work with very large global companies, but we also work with small and mid-market companies, which we love to do because when they're small, they can make decisions quickly. Mm-hmm. We can, you know, maybe train the, um, the leadership so that they can begin to um, practice the principles and practices the fierce immediately and see the results. So, but I find wherever I go in the world and whoever I'm working with that the issues are often the same, no matter what kind of company it is. And it does have to, a lot to do with people, and it has so much to do with the leaders. Yeah. Well, you know, we have so many amazing leaders in our community and, and people who are listening right now, whether they're men or women, um, who I think struggle with conversations, with leadership. And I want to ask you, you know, what's a common theme that you come across with all of these companies that you deal with and maybe one step or one piece of advice that you offer almost across the board that you think would be most helpful? I know I'm kind of putting on the spot, but um, that that one piece of advice that you think really tends to make a change within whatever organization you're talking about. Well, I want, I want leaders 
to recognize, I want everyone to recognize that that business is fundamentally an extended conversation with one another internally, with our customers, with the, um, you know, the, the world around us. And what gets talked about in a company and how it gets talked about and who is invited to the conversation determines what's going to happen and what is not going to happen. So conversation is the work of the leaders and the workhorses of, of the organization. And I'm seeing that sea change really, um, you know, you, when, I, when I first started Fierce, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, people were still just talking about communication, how important communication was. And leaders often took that to mean, I just need to tell people more. I need to make sure they're informed. They just want more information. And the leaders didn't understand, no, they want a conversation, mm, yeah. a back and forth, an exchange, an exchange of ideas and sentiments. They want to, be, they want to hear you, but they want to be heard and they want to be seen. Um, there's this wonderful greeting in Africa where two people come upon each other on a path and one says saubona which means i see you and the response is sikona which means i am here and the order is important it's as if until you see me i do not exist oh. and i think a lot of people in the workplace do not feel seen or heard and so you know they're not they're not they're not sabotaging the company. They're just not fully engaged. Yeah. They don't have a lot of passion around what they do. And I think if I were to, you know, gosh, there's, it's hard to choose the one piece of advice, Kelly, but mm -hmm. one thing I would say is when you are with someone, practice one of the principles of fierce conversations, which is be here prepared to be nowhere else. So be here in this conversation, prepared to be nowhere else. Um, because one of the greatest gifts we can give another human being is the purity of our attention. And that, you know, we're, we live in such a, a distracted um, world that we're, we're not always present with one another. And you can tell when you're talking with someone that he or she is thinking about something else or is just formulating their response to what we're saying, not mm -hmm. really listening, not really asking questions to make sure they truly understand. And so we end up just, I think of it as water skiing. You know, you're going across the skimming the surface, which can be a lot of fun and you can get a tan, <laughs> but there's something very different about putting on a, a tank and going below the surface. So even in a, a, a short conversation, or one that you isn't even planned, it's just a casual encounter, and you don't anticipate anything meaty or important coming up, if you, even in that, if you can be with that person for those few seconds, prepared to be nowhere else, just even that will, will help you connect with that person at a deeper level. Well, you know, I know you're an expert obviously, in helping companies get through these conversational and leadership struggles. And in your book, you also talk about the impact that having these fierce conversations can have on personal relationships. Can mm -hmm. I ask how you live that out in your own life? Well, I, I believe that my family, my children, 
my grandchildren, <laughs> all my friends would tell you that I am quite fierce in that I am very real. And so are they. Um, you know, I have two teenage granddaughters and they're the ones, it's so funny, they're the ones that their friends often come to uh, if they're having relationship issues or uh, an issue with a teacher or something and say, what should I do? Mm-hmm. And my granddaughters are coaching them on how to have the conversation in a way that, um, you know, addresses the issue um, and and still enriches a relationship. So it's it's not always easy. I mean, even though I'm the... Um, you can say you're the expert. I was watching... <laughs> Well, you know, the funny thing that came to my mind was because uh, I was watching, I've been catching up on Game of Thrones and I was thinking the mother of dragons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and um, one of my granddaughters said, you're the mother of dragons. And I thought, I don't know, is that good? And she said, yeah, yeah, because she's very kind hearted, but she's got dragons. If she mm-hmm. needs them. And I thought that was really funny. Um, you know, they sometimes it's still not easy. In fact, it can be more difficult to have a conversation with a family member than it can be to have a conversation with someone. Oh, yeah, because you're bringing because all the background and all the future. That's right. Yeah, and you live with them. Mm-hmm. You, you're there. I mean, you, there they are, right there. But it's especially important because we we get what we tolerate. So if we're tolerating something that is harmful or hurtful to ourselves or to uh, someone else in the family, um, or that is causing an issue, then and we don't and we don't have the conversation. We don't even attempt to have the conversation. Then, at some point, we don't get to complain about it anymore. You know, mm-hmm. we we do teach people how to treat us, and so we have to we have to step up to it and say, hey, you know, I, I remember one one um, CEO pulled me aside several years ago and he was telling me about his marriage and he said, you know, my, my wife is just, she's just mean. She's mean. She's mean to our daughters and she's just mean to me. And, you know, I really, I've been with her for a long, long time, but I don't think I can stand this any longer. I don't know what to say. He said, I love her, but I, I don't love our life together. And I said, say that. Hmm. I love you and I don't love our life together. That's a shocker, but it will get her attention because sometimes people don't really understand what is at stake around an issue. Mm-hmm. So chapter four of fierce conversations is all about how to have that conversation and how you open that conversation is really key. And there's this 60 second opening statement that you do um, prepare, um, which is really a, a very uh, clear and compelling invitation to someone to have this conversation with you. And I get wonderful emails from people all over the world telling me they just had the greatest conversation with their spouse or their child or their friend or their sister or whatever. And it makes me really, really happy. Yeah. I mean, I love that, you know, you're talking about the bigger concept of how we should approach life and how we should approach our relationships, but also you're providing these really specific tools that people can take in. And when they're having those difficult conversations, they can kind of use these tools to get, get started. 
But um, we're going to take a break now. So I just want to tell everyone that you are listening to the She Is Fierce radio show. And when we're back, we'll have more with Susan Scott, the author of the newly re-released best-selling book, Fierce Conversations, Achieving Success at Work and in Life, One Conversation at a Time. This is Letty Bozard. If you don't like the road you're walking, start paving a new one. Welcome back. You're listening to the She is Fierce radio show presented by Bozard Ford Lincoln. I'm Kelly Youngs, the founder of She is Fierce and Lift. We're talking with Susan Scott, the best-selling author of the newly re-released best-selling book on Fierce Conversations. Susan, you've been listed on the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and USA Today bestseller list, to name a few. And in fact, you actually have two bestselling books, Fierce Conversations and Fierce Leadership, and you are also running a global company. So your bio sounds pretty impressive, (laughs) and we all know that it is virtually impossible to get anywhere on your own. So I want to really ask you to share a little bit about the people who helped you get where you are. You're all about conversations and connection. Are there any mentors or friends or colleagues who have really helped you along the way? Oh, yes, there certainly are. Um, the, uh, the woman who owns the headhunting firm that I worked for for eight years is now on our board of advisors, and she's been a wonderful mentor. I mean, I was watching her operate in her life long before I um, ever even thought about starting a company myself. And going way back, my grandmother, my mother's mother, was a phenomenal woman who started a business during um, a really tough time economically, just took a leap of faith and started a business. She was way before her time. Yeah. And she, and she, um, she was brave and she was funny and she was just playful and she was loving and she laughed easily and often. And I, I, I just feel like she is with me all the time. And even though she died quite a long time ago, but she's with me and I just hope that I'm channeling her. But then one of my daughters, my oldest daughter, helped me start the company. We started it in my home. Oh, wow. And we, yeah, we, and it was really funny because a CEO would uh, come to Seattle to meet with me and pull up in his, his, um, it, with his driver and to this house. And he'd come in and to my home and then he would end up with a Jack Russell on his lap mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, having a cup of coffee that I'm making for him in front of a crackling fire. Yeah, well, that probably we that, brings you know. people more comfort as well while they're, well, they're kind of go, going it, a little bit it, deeper. Absolutely. And it never embarrassed me. You know, I just never have been about appearance. It's all about, you know, what 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 is it? What's the most important thing you and I should be talking about? That's mm-hmm. where I always go. And then my incredible team at Fierce, if you go on our website, FierceInc.com and look at the leadership team, you'll see three pretty darn phenomenal women. Um, and I should say it wasn't intentional that our entire leadership team would be female, but they are. <laughs> and we represent all four generations, which is really fun because yeah. we have, you know, a lot of similarities and, and some different perspectives to bring. 
And then we have 80% of our employees are millennials, which is so fantastic. And we have pretty much a mix of men and women uh, millennials, and they are a joy. And, you know, what? one of the things I love about them is that they, they tell us what's happening, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is happening out there in the real world, uh, in, in case we forget. You know, I mean, they're up on all the trends and everything that's going on and with technology. And so my the leaders of my company, um, they really run the company day to day. As my my role at this point is to travel and and give keynotes uh, and interviews such as this, and write articles. Huffington Post I have a column, and I write articles for other publications, and to attend meetings where important decisions are being made. You know, once a month we all get together and we have a strategy session. So, but but really the day to day running of the company and a lot of the deep thinking is happens on the leadership team and they are extraordinarily collaborative um, and they really respect one another and they work so well together. So yeah, well, I know. Could, I mean, I can speak from experience. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I'm lucky enough to be connected now to a couple women on your team and, and they're just a lovely group of women. So I'm, you yep. know, it's a pleasure to, to kind of be able to bring that forward. Now, yeah. I want to ask you what advice you have for the women in our community on how to get connected with people who will help them advance their goals. So um, one of the things that we all struggle with, I think, is, you know, it's easy to make a connection, maybe, right? You can go to a networking event. You can give someone your card. That's great. But what what advice do you have to take that connection to a deeper level or to find the right person who uh, you can take that connection to a deeper level with and they will help you advance your goals and maybe you can help them as well? Well, I've always had a, a sort of a, a different approach to how to meet the people that I want to meet. I, I'm not, my team can tell you, they, they almost always send somebody with me when I'm going to travel to give talks or anything because I am not the best networker um, on the spot collecting cards and remembering what everybody wants, you mm-hmm. know, and who to get back to and all of that. I'm just not Well, that's not really a fierce conversation, is it? No, well, no, <laughs> it isn't. But what, you know, looking back, I see what I have done all of my life is when I come across a person who intrigues me, and I haven't met them, you know, I read about them, or they're in the news, or they're, you know, whatever, I just hear about them, and I see what they're doing, and I have a sense of what they might be about. Um, If there's really a pull for me, I will contact them and say, I have a very strong desire to meet you, um, even if briefly. And, um, you know, you're extraordinarily appealing to me, your story. And I wonder if you would grant me a few moments of your time. And I tell a little bit about who I am. And, you know, but I've been doing this since I was teaching school and didn't Mm -hmm. have, you know, I mean, those were my credentials at that time. And usually people will say, Yes, and they might say it a little hesitantly, you know, is this a stalker? Who is this person? You know, <laughs> yeah. what is this? Is, and, and squeeze me into their schedule. But usually once we meet face-to-face, and I go to wherever they are, once we meet face-to-face, there's often a real spark and a connection there. So that's a part of, I guess, 
you'd call it being sort of bold and courageous mm. because, yeah, I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. And you end up talking with, you don't talk with them in the beginning. You talk with their assistant usually. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it could, it, and I've done this with men, not just women. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, but, but if you can get through and actually meet someone and you have, you know, you, we we all ha- we all have this sort of energy field that we project, and they'll be they'll they'll take a read on you the moment you walk in the door, and if they if if they like what they see in your face, your eyes, your tone of voice, your sort of agenda, um, your spirit, your intelligence, then they'll respond, and you can I mean I have formed some lifelong friendships in some very interesting places as a result of just picking up the phone and going for it. Yeah. So really just make the ask, right? Mm -hmm. Find that person that you want to be connected with and make the ask. That's great. Make the ask. That's right. People love to help. I help women all the time uh, who I don't know, uh, but they approach me and they say, you know, I'm writing a book. I'm working on it. I wondered if I could talk with you because I think I want to start a company around the book and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I say, of course. And I've helped quite a few people get their books published and put them in contact with the people that can help them get their business up and going and think about that. And I love to do that. So I think I think we all want to pay it forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are almost at an end, even though I don't want to finish. Um, but before we go, <laughs> I want to ask you a question that I always ask at the end of our show. And that is mm-hmm. just what that one piece of advice that you um, really want to share with other women. So that one thing that maybe you're too polite to say or that you tell your daughters or you wish you told your daughters, um, what's that one piece of advice that you really want other women to kind of take home with them? Well, I want them to sit beside someone that they care for and begin. And I want them to begin by telling someone what it is that they they love about that person or appreciate about that person. That is fierce. And it's not enough to say, I love you or you did a good job, that doesn't really land. It's better if we say, I want to tell you exactly what it is that I love about you in this moment. Mm. I love the way you such and such. I so, you know, I love this about you. I love that about you. Or, you know, in the workplace, you know, I just wanted you to know how much, how impressed I was this morning at the meeting when you, your ideas were really challenged and you did not get defensive. You stayed grounded and courteous and curious and you just blew me right out of my cotton socks. You were amazing. <laughs> That's fierce. That's fierce. That is and fierce. so, yeah. So I want, I want more of that to be going on um, because then we're gaining, um, we're gaining emotional capital. We're enriching relationships, which is our most valuable currency. It's much more valuable than money or smarts or degrees or anything else. It's, it's relationship because without it, you can't do anything. Yeah. So that's what I would advise. And I would, I would just say for anyone who um, wants to read the new version, and there are quite a few really exciting changes in the new book, Fierce Conversations, to put on your calendar May 2nd and then buy it on that day because that's when the new release comes out. 
Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I just want to thank you for ending on such a lovely note. I love that your advice was also about relationships and it really kind of all ties it back together. Thank you so much, Susan, for sharing your day with us. It has really been lovely to speak with you. And I, I really, you know, you know this already, I think, but, um, I love hearing more about your mission to really help individuals and companies create a more real and honest Mm -hmm. and fierce environment. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. It's been great talking with you. Well, you can get a copy of Susan's best-selling book at Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble and other bookstores around the country. If you're running a company that could use a little bit of help having honest and fierce conversations, check out Susan's consulting company, Fierce Inc., at FierceInc.com. Plus, keep a lookout for more exciting collaborations between She is Fierce and the women-led executive team at Fierce Inc., And if you're in North Florida or within traveling distance, you will definitely want to join us in a packed-out room of women at the gorgeous Treasury on the Plaza in downtown St. Augustine, Florida. It's a five-week series starting on May 31st and every Wednesday in June. We have an awesome lineup of speakers this year, and I am just so honored that all of our speakers will be gracing our stage and sharing their wisdom with us. You can get tickets at womenswednesdays.com. Thank you for joining me and Susan. If you love connecting with and inspiring women and are looking for a community filled with support, connections, and resources, both global and local, find out more about becoming a member at sheisfiercehq.com forward slash join. Join members around the world who are up-leveling their lives right now.